I'd like to spend some time this morning, if you have your Bible, if you don't, if you have your phone with an app on it that has your Bible, and if not, uh, we're going to Luke chapter 2 and verse 11, and we're going to unwrap some scriptures today. And I've just asked the Lord, Holy Spirit, would you just unwrap the scripture and let it mean something to us when we walk out of the building that will encourage us, that will bless us, that will cause us to be the kind of people that you want us to be for this hour. And while you're turning, I especially would like to invite you to pray for Ronnie Trammell and his family. Most of you know Linda has been diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. She's in an ICU ward in Mercy Hospital. It's inoperable. Uh, the team will come in the morning and decide what the next, uh, next uh, point of, <coughs> of uh, contact that needs to be made with her health issues. But they need your prayer this morning. And, uh, and let's just, in fact, let's just bow this morning. And, and, and maybe you have a request. Maybe you have a family that's really uh, struggling today and you know about. And uh, no matter what it is, let's just bring our needs this morning in a moment of prayer. And let's just ask God to bathe those people with love and strength for this hour. Father, we lift up Ronnie and Joy, their family this morning. We lift up Linda today, who's struggling with this brain tumor. Lord, we lift up Walt and, Lord, their entire family. And I just ask right in that ICU ward of Mercy Hospital today, may, you, may your presence make a difference in the atmosphere of that ICU ward Bless the nurses and the doctor and the complete staff that's taking care of this awesome lady from our community. And strength and courage in this Christmas season, Lord, to deal with an issue today that we would rather not have ever shown its face. But Lord, you said in your word, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. And I pray, Father, I release a miracle over this family, over Linda today. And may the Holy Spirit strengthen, girt them, Lord, for this hour as we put our total trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And again, everybody said, Amen. As I was uh, looking at Luke chapter 2, verse 11, I, I began to think about the season that we're enjoying today. And uh, more than 2,000 years ago, a glorious angel from heaven appeared to uh, a group of shepherds, of all people to appear to, but the, the shepherds received the message that was going to change the world forever. They were the first ones. You would have thought the angels would have appeared to somebody other than shepherds, but shepherds had jobs that took them to the countryside they were not seen every day they were out taking care of the animals called sheep and it, it was kind of a lowly job yet somebody had to do it and and when the angels appeared to bring them the good news of what was about to happen he went to the fields of the outskirts of Bethlehem and he brought them a message that would change the world and is still changing the world to do today the good news that was shared that day has gone around the world and changed thousands of lives. And while we sat on the pews this morning of the sanctuary out here on the hills of western Oklahoma, this same news has, cat, has covered the earth. And the good news is, is that one of the most exciting things was about to happen, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. As I'm looking and watching the world in which we live today, I watch, I watch the world as they try to take Christmas or Christ out of Christmas. And you know, if you will just take a moment and let that be a humorous thing, can I tell you, the world is losing the battle in taking Christ out of Christmas. 
It can't happen. It won't happen. It's been tried before, and it's not going to happen today. Did anybody see the logo or the insignia that the atheists in the United States have put on the billboards uh, for this Christmas season? They said, make Christmas great. Skip church. And you know, normally that would make me mad. I laughed. I said, how crazy can you be? And you know, I have scriptures to back that up. I know you're not supposed to talk, tell people crazy. But here's what I, th- I thought about when I read that. A fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Yeah! Get a load of that. <laughs> you know, we need to have fun as we watch people do stupid things. And the Bible says they're not going to get by with it, so we need to say, <laughs> You know, we need to have fun. We're just passing this way once, and we take a lot of garbage seriously. Let's move on with the story. If they want to take, if they want to call Christmas great, the first letters spell Christ, our Savior's name. If they want to call it a holiday, okay, that's okay. The first letter in holiday refers to Holy Day. How about that? It also let the letters. If we look at the letters, the letters uh, of holiday of the holiday not only refer to uh, a holy day, but it also refers to the birth of Christ. If they want to call it Yule Day, not Mule Day, but Yule Day. That's an old phrase for the 12 days of Christmas, which people in old times used to call the Feast of Nativity. If they want to talk about season's holiday, we'll tell them how Jesus came in due season and the fulfillment of times came to pass. If they want to talk about Santa Claus, <laughs> I'm not going to tell the story that happened here. I'm not, somebody right might remember it. I'm going to tell it. <laughs> we had a person who hadn't been coming to our church very long, hadn't been walking with Jesus very long. He called me just before Easter, and he said, Pastor, I found a bunny suit. Would it be offensive to you if I came to church Sunday morning in that bunny suit and just uh, had a treat for the kids? I said, that sounds awesome to me not thinking that that would be offensive to a few saints. Well, he came in Easter Bunny uh, suit, and he was just having a time of his life, and, and I got this from one of our precious elderly saints. I make sure I have the whole armor of God on me when I see that sign. These signs shall follow them that believe. And she said, that's ridiculous. I said, it may be to you. But if you'll stand by and watch the gleam on those kids' face, as they see that, they're going to be glad they came to God's house because they met somebody they didn't think they were going to meet. So if they want to talk about Santa Claus, we're happy to explain that there really was a Christian named St. Nicholas who lived in the city of Myra, Turkey, on the 4th century and was famous for giving generous gifts to the poor. They want to talk about gift giving. I'll tell them about the Magi who brought the first Christmas gift to Christ. They want to talk about the songs of the season. I'll tell them about the first choir that filled the Bethlehem skies on the night that Christ was born. They want to talk about Hanukkah. We'll talk about Christ, the light of the world, the personification and fulfillment of the Jewish menorah that stood in the ancient temple. They want to talk about the phrase Xmas. That ever made anybody mad that you know of? Look, they took Christ out of Christmas and they put X. 
Well, we'll just point out the fact that X in the Greek letter is the word chi, which means the first letter and symbol of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I'm just saying it's a little hard to get Christ out of Christmas. It has been. It always will. And it's used more than 300 different names and titles to describe him in the Bible. But Jesus can no more be contained in a number of his names than the ocean can be filled with a, with a grain of the sand if you would try to cram it all in a container. The name of Jesus, if we understood them all, still falls short of declaring his glory. I don't know about you, but I love the name of Jesus. It's the name of our Lord's personality. And every time you think about that name, every time you speak to that name, remember, that's his personality. How many people you know about their personality? You don't know a whole lot about them, but how many met somebody for the first time and you said, I like that guy. And you knew nothing about him. But you know, I, I, there was just something about his personality that really did, yeah, I like that guy. Didn't check to see if he had OSU boots on. Or, <laughs> I like that guy too. <laughs> Turnabout's fair play. I, you can shoot at me all, all day long. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> The name of Jesus, if we could understand every meaning of that name, we would still fall short of declaring his glory. Right. How about this? We love the name Emmanuel. It reminds us that God is with us. And every time you have a lonely moment, you can say, Emmanuel, God's with me. Yeah. I can't see him, but I know he's here. Yeah. And I can just feel a surge of en encouragement this morning because I can say, Emmanuel, which I'm just ushering in his presence every time I say, you're welcome. By the, by the, but the name we should be most in love with today is Savior. It's the name of our Lord's purpose and also his mission here on earth. Jesus and Emmanuel were names that were, named, that were given to the parents of our Lord. They weren't given to the parents of the Lord by the Lord, but they were given to angels. And the angels named Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. They also named him Emmanuel. The name Savior was announced first by the shepherds on the hillside. And the record of it is in this famous chapter today, in Luke chapter 2. Verse 10 and 11, look at this. Then the angel said to them, Be not afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And then our sermon text this morning, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Israel in her history has had many so-called saviors, but none like Emmanuel. Here are a few, and let me just reflect on them this morning. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 27, it says, Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who have who oppressed them. And then in the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven, and according to your abundant mercy, you gave them deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemies. They had many physical saviors in that day, but Israel had never had one like the one that was about to be born. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called 
wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. And then get the last one, the Prince of Peace. How many awesome names do you give our Savior today? There's one for every season of our life. And no matter what you may be challenged with this morning, you can call upon that name. If you need a a friend today, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you need somebody awesome to walk into your life, his name shall be called Wonderful. If you're at the crossroads of life, you don't know which way to turn, which way to go. You don't have the answer to all of life's issues this morning. He's the greatest counselor you'll ever know. Not only will he counsel you in the time of trouble, but he wants to be a father figure in your life. I'd love to spend 15 minutes again with my earthly dad. His death took us all by surprise and broke our heart. I'd just like to, if I just had one more opportunity to look in dad's eyes one more time, I'd just like to say, dad, thank you for all you imparted into my life. I think about all the Christmases. I enjoyed 17 Christmases at the White House. And uh, I left, I, I graduated May the 19th, and I had a job waiting on me before I graduated, and I left to go to Hobbs, New Mexico, to assume my responsibility in a labor field. But in those 17 years, uh, I had, we had an aunt uh, whose husband was a military individual. He had, he had uh, gone up in ranks, grew a great salary. They had no family, but God has orchestrated it so that Aunt May adopted all five of us children. If it hadn't have been for Aunt May and God, we, it, we would have been adults before we knew what Christmas really was. And all the things that, uh, that transpired, I can, I can remember this very vividly, not because I felt so left out, but it carried a mark in my life that I'll never forget. My dad was pastoring just a few miles east of here. Things had not gone real well financially that year, but my mom and dad never complained about finances. They just knew that Jehovah Jireh was our provider in some way, somehow he would see us through. And I'll never forget on Christmas Eve night, we gathered in the around the Christmas tree and there was uh, very few gifts in fact there was four of us boys still at home and my dad knelt down to the Christmas tree and all boxes were the same size wrapped in the same paper with a small bow that mother had made and when we unwrapped that there was a bible for each one of us and that was Christmas we didn't feel left out we didn't even feel poor we just thought everybody was poor (laughs) yeah there was no rich folks you know, you know, we're just poor people. We just, you know, and we and we had an awesome meal that was fit for a king. And of all the Christmases that I remember, it wasn't because the shortage of gift. It because it was because the element that was wrapped up in that box has never lost its true meaning in my life. And the Bible says, David said, "Thy thy word will I hide in my heart, that I might not sin against God." And what's wrapped up in God's word today? is something that you and I will always be able to initiate in our life to make life a better place and a better life in which we enjoy. Let me look at something else. In Luke chapter 2, verse, verse 11, the second part of that scripture is, is this. It tells the purpose of our Savior. I want, the first part of the scripture says, uh, for, for uh, there is born to us this day in the city of David a Savior. And then the second part tells us his purpose. Uh, who is Christ the Lord. There never was a time in Jesus' life when he was not aware of his purpose. 
Can I tell you that everyone here this morning, you have a purpose in life. You may think your purpose is just to show up in the morning on that job, but there's more to purpose than just showing up for a job. You're going to meet people. People know you by your personality. Not only do they know you by your personality, they know you by your atmosphere that you can create. They know you by the places you go and the things you do. And so let's look at God, the, the life of Jesus for, for a moment. There no, never was a time on earth when Jesus was not aware of his purpose. Even at the end of the journey, he knew that his journey had purpose. In fact, there never was another man who walked on planet earth who knew his mission like Jesus. Acts 10, 38 is a favorite of mine, how God anointed Jesus with a, uh, of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. And can I tell you this? Every time I see G the name Jesus in the New Testament, he has given me the authority because we're, he's my elder brother. I can put my name where his name is. And he gave me permission to do this when he hung on the cross. He took my place on the cross so that I could take his place today. I don't know about you. That, that makes me excited. I, I get excited about that. We're representing one of the greatest people, a Savior. Do you know what a Savior is? Do you know what a Savior can do? Do you know what his capability is? Do you know what his purpose is? Jesus described his purpose and his reason with clarity. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, But go and learn uh, what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I want to say this again. He did not call the righteous, but sinners. This was his purpose. If, you know, if he hadn't done that, you and I wouldn't be here today. We were all born with a, the same disease that Adam and Eve encountered called the disease of sin. How about this? John 5, 43. I've come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in, my own, in, in his own name, him will you receive. In John 6, 38. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. How about this one? John 7, 29. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. How about John chapter 12, verse 46? I have come as the light of the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. If you're walking in darkness today, Jesus wants to walk into our life and turn the light on. And, his, and, and here's the way that he does it. There's a scripture in the Bible today that will fit the challenge of your life. If you're walking in darkness today and you don't know which way to turn or wh what to do, Jesus says, I've come as the light of the world. The psalmist says, the, the word will be a lamp unto my feet, a light to my pathway. And there's something in here that will medicate you no matter where you're, where, whether you're, what you're going through this morning. And he wants to know that most of all that he's your Savior and he's made this word possible. And if he came with a purpose, he wants you to adopt that purpose. And he wants you to know that he's uh, your elder brother and what he did uh, that he wants you to be able to do. And again, he confirms this. He's, and many people say, Pastor, you're getting out on a limb. No, I'm not. I'm getting out on God's word. God. And you know, I, I think it's John 14, 12. You have that. Could you just bring that up and see if I'm right or wrong? Thank you. I promised uh, I wouldn't do this again. Austin, I'm sorry. I lied again. 
Here's the reason I want to tell you that what Jesus did, he wants you to do also. What all, think about for a minute, what all did Jesus do? He cast out devils. He healed the sick. He went about doing good. He walked on the water. Think about that. He turned the water into wine. How, how's that? Oh. Boy, we could, turn, we could turn this world upside down this morning, couldn't we? Just turning the water into wine. I tell you. What else did he do? He took a happy meal and fed 5,000 beside the women and children. Well, I want you to read this with me. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also. And greater works than these will he do because why? Because this is his purpose. He said, I'm going to my father. And he said, what you've seen me do, I want you to do. Well, pastor, I'll tell you what, I just don't believe that. This is where the rub comes. When we get to areas in the Bible that really God wants to speak to us, we say, well, that's for Cindy, that's not for Calvin. Or we say, well, that's for the pastor, that's not for me. Do you know what? If it says it, it's for all of us. I've never raised anybody from the dead, but I know people that have. I, I, we have had some uh, issues with demonic spirits, and we've cast out demonic spirits. We believe in that. We've laid hands on sick people, and we saw them recover. But, you know, here's what, don't lose sight of what your purpose here on this life. The purpose of Jesus was to come to seek and to save that which was lost, and then he imparted his Holy Spirit into you so you could be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Amen. And listen, this gets exciting. The further we go, the more exciting it gets because we have a Savior. His name is Jesus, or Emmanuel means he's going to be with us. Moving on. When we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating and acknowledging the fact that God sent a Savior to this world, not just a little baby for us to celebrate. Not just a time for giving and receiving, but acknowledging the fact that God knew we needed a Savior to seek into that, seeking to save that which was lost, and we were all once lost. True. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost because the lost will never seek a Savior. In the late 90s, Ted Turner, the founder of CNN, gave a donation of $1 billion to the United Nations Foundation, which he had founded. He was, taken by, he was asked by a CNN reporter why he gave such a donation to this foundation, and this was his response. He said, I'm not looking for a big reward from God for doing this. I'm not even a religious person. I believe that this is the only life we have. I'm not doing what I'm doing to be rewarded in heaven or to be punished in hell. I'm doing this because I, I feel that what I'm doing is the right thing to do. Aren't you glad that's not so? Almost every religion talks about a Savior coming. When you look in the mirror each morning, he says, and when you are looking in the mirror, putting on your makeup or you're shaving, uh, you're looking at the only Savior you'll ever know, and that's yourself. I don't think Ted Turner might have had a lot of money, but he didn't have his gospel right. Aren't you glad that this story isn't true about you and me? We need a Savior, and we've all tried to save ourselves, and we did a pitiful job doing it. We were all born with the same disease, and we inherited that disease from Adam and Eve. Because of the sin, we're incapable of saving ourselves. And in Luke chapter 15, there are three stories that talk about three things that are lost. And I want you to get this today. 
talks about first a lost coin. Number two, it talks about a lost sheep. And three, it talks about a lost son. The lost coin didn't find its owner. The lost son didn't find his father. They were all pursued and had to be sought. And God sent Jesus Christ, his son, to the world for this purpose, to seek and to save that was lost. And God sent Jesus Christ, his, his son, to this world because we were all lost until Jesus came and found us and we accepted him. And when I th think about lost, we all have temporal situations that we relate to about being lost. Some of us can be, relate to being lost in a large city. Some things can be related to about being lost uh, uh, in the world you're living in. Some people just lose direction. But I was, as I was preparing this uh, message during the week, I thought about, about back in the 80s, uh, and uh, we were building an office complex next to the, the home where we've lived since 1961. And we had removed some large highline poles. They were in the way for where we were building the facility. And we had heavy equipment at that time. And we had, rather than dig these poles out, we had, just, we had uh, a, a crane and we just lifted them out of the hole and, and hadn't taken the time to fill the hole. Deidre was just about this tall at that time. And she was out. Madison, yeah. Madison was just about this tall at that time. And she was out checking things out. You know, where the excitement was, you could usually find Madison. And all at once, uh, Paula came out to look for Madison, and she was nowhere to be found. And the excitement began to raise as, we, as they continued to look. I was gone uh, that day. To, to, and I was working in the oil field. And, I, and uh, when I got home, they related the story to me. And they, they kept calling her name out, and they kept calling her name out. And uh, the excitement was raising. And... Uh, all at once there was a silence and they heard this little voice crying out. And they began to look, where's that voice coming from? There was no evidence of where she was. They could just hear her voice. And finally they came to the place where one of these large poles had been pulled and down several feet was the top of her head. And she had fell into that hole and through the grace of God that sandy land had not uh, caved in on her and she was crying out for help because she was lost. There's a lot of people this morning that you and I know that are in that hole. And they're crying out for help. Not for financial help. They're just crying out, is there somebody up there that could help me? And listen, listen, it's not in our ability. It's Christ in us that gives us the ability. That's the reason Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, the dilemma of meeting other people's need is not wrapped up in dollars and cents. It's wrapped up in our heart. And what I want to do today is unwrap the Savior in the Scripture. Unto us is born this day in the city of David. A Savior. And the Savior is so precious. He cannot be bought with silver and gold. He cannot be influenced by politics. He was only sent by the grace of God that brings salvation. It saw how lost and how miserable we were when He came to this world to seek and to save you and me. As we continue the journey this morning, and we see a lost world, the greatest plague today is the plague that got Adam and Eve, the plague of sin. 
And the plague of sin will blindfold you. And let me tell you about some characteristics of the plague of the sickness of sin. It'll always take you farther than you want to go. It'll always cost you more than you want to pay. And the third point is it'll always keep you longer than you want to stay. And the enemy is so successful with doing this by just blindfolding us from what the truth is about God's Word. And the only hope for this world today is the hope that you and I have. And God has wrapped up His love inside of you and I so that we could have something to give to a hurting world that's never unwrapped the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind. And it's our Savior. His name is Jesus. His name is Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And above all, He's the Prince of Peace. And like me, many times we've wrestled. We've done everything we could to try to save ourselves. We've tried to get our mind focused and it wouldn't focus we tried to see through the fog of life and we tried to get it together we've even taken some medications to try to bring rest in our life and all at once we realized hey it's not in my ability to save me i need a savior and his name is jesus jesus i'm lost and i really need help do you know even as a christian i've said that i can get lost in circumstances at times even with helping other people, when you just kind of come to a place of exhaustion, you just think, you know, we tried this, it didn't work. We tried this, it didn't work. We tried this, it didn't work. And we, we even try this in our own families. Let's just bring it a little closer to home. We get involved in trying to medicate some problems we have in our home, own home. And when we become exhausted, then we realize the Word says it's not by might nor by power. It's those moments that you and I realize we need a Savior. Somebody that can save us from the, from the shipwrecks of life. Somebody that can redeem us. And we are all redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver and gold. But we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Yeah. And we call him Savior. I, I, I have cried this week as, I've, as the Holy Spirit has, uh, has torn me apart uh, with this message. I, I just never have seen the awesome value in the scripture like God has unraveled it. It was so unraveling to me. Jared called me. He said, I'm getting ready to do the uh, bulletin. He said, what's the title of the sermon? I said, I don't know. I just have a message. And, I, and he said, and I, so I told him where I was coming from. And he said, well, uh, I'll call you back in a little while. Have you ever been to a place that you just know, didn't know how to name it? <laughs> when I meet somebody, I can't get to hold their name. And you hear me say, hey, Hey, it's because I am not getting hold of the name. I couldn't get a hold of the name of the message, but I knew it was a message. And Dr. R.G. Lee, uh, one of our early Southern Baptist preachers, tells a story, and I came across it this week, and it just kind of wrapped itself around the message today. And the story took place in the mountains of Virginia in a one-room country school it was so tough that a teacher, as he went there, would only last a few days, or at the most, a few weeks. It was a school that was populated with a group of mean-spirited boys who thought their main objective was to run off every teacher that came to the school. One day, a very young teacher applied for the job, and the director of the school tried to talk this teacher out of taking the job. He said, I can tell you before you try, you're going to take a real beating no teacher has lasted more than a couple of months. And the young teacher says, I want to give it a try. 
And on the first day when he arrived at the school, he noticed in the back of the classroom there gathered a, a group of, of boys, and there was one big boy that stood out very distinctly, and he had a very loud voice, and they called him Big Old Tom. And Big Old Tom was known for Big Old Tom because he was a bully of that school. The teacher, uh, as he entered the, as he entered the, the classroom that morning, he heard Big Old Tom say, I can take care of this one by myself. I won't need any help. He'll be glad to leave by the end of the day. When the young teacher got to the front of the classroom that morning, he said, I've come to your school to be a teacher, but I can't do it by myself. I'm going to need your help. I think we need a few rules, but I'm not going to make the rules for your school. I want you to make the rules for me. They never had a teacher say anything like this. And they never had a teacher talk to them like he was talking to them. We're going to get to make the rules. And the teacher walked to the chalkboard, and one of the students spoke up, and he said, uh, Teacher, let's make the first rule, no stealing. So the teacher wrote on the chalkboard, number one, no stealing. Another student spoke up and said, Teacher, how about this, don't be late. And before long, there were ten rules written on the chalkboard, and everybody agreed, and the class was laughing. This was a new day. The teacher says, there's no good rule without a penalty for breaking this rule, these rules. So what should the penalty be if one of these rules is broken? Big old Tom stands up and says, whoever breaks one of these rules should have ten licks across his bare back with his shirt off. Needless to say, this story's old, isn't it? The teacher thought the penalty was a little strong, but the teacher said, okay, if we're all in agreement, that will be the penalty. The next day, class began. The class hasn't been uh, conducting in a manner very long before big old Tom walks to the front of the class and he said, teacher, somebody has stole my lunch. The teacher said, I need to call this class to order. Somebody stole Big Tom's lunch, and I want to know who has stole this lunch. After everyone had been questioned, a little 10-year-old boy stood up and said, Teacher, I stole Big Tom's lunch. I was so hungry, I stole that lunch and I ate it all. Well, the teacher said, You know, the rule for stealing is 10 licks across your back with your coat off and with your shirt off. And the little boy began to beg by saying, Teacher, please don't do that. Please don't make me take my coat off. The teacher know, knew that he was at a turning point in his, in his calling, and the crisis had appeared much quicker than he thought it would come. And if he didn't follow through with this punishment, his time was short as being a teacher in the school. The teacher made the little boy come to the front of the class, and he said, Little Jimmy, the rule says you've got to take your coat off. And he begged, Please, teacher, don't make me take my coat off. And she says, Jimmy, this is a rule. This class made it. I didn't. I'm here to enforce it. And little Jimmy pulled his coat off, and under his coat was no shirt. And just his suspenders crossed his frail back. The teacher asked little, little boy, saying, uh, Jimmy, where's your shirt? And he said, well, my dad died last year, and we're very poor, and I only have one shirt. Today's wash day, and my mom washed that 
shirt so I could have a shirt tomorrow, and my older brother loaned me his coat so I could stay warm. The teacher picked up the paddle to punish little Jimmy, and without hesitation, as he approached little Jimmy, Big Tom stands up, and he says, Teacher, if you don't object, I want to take little Jim's punishment for him. And the teacher says, Well, there should be a rule of substitution, and if that's what you do want to do, you come forward. And big old Tom stepped forward, and he yanked his coat off, and he pulled his shirt off, and the teacher pulled this, this paddle out, and he began to lay the stripes on big Tom's back. By the time he had laid five stripes upon Tom's back, he paused to look at the crowd, and the crowd was filled with kids just crying. And their hearts was broken at what they, they had seen. And the teacher said to Big Tom, Big Tom, you've been the Savior for little Jimmy's life. And little Jimmy ran to the front of the class. And he grabbed Big Tom around the neck and he hugged him. And he said, till death shall part us. I've never had a friend like you, but I'll love you till the day that I die. And today, I wonder if this doesn't relate the Savior who took our punishment for us as he made his way to Calvary. And he was punished for not for the sins that he committed, not for the wrongdoings that he was guilty of because the Bible says he was without sin. But he took our punishment so that you and I could go free. Friend, I proclaim to you today, he's the best friend I ever had. And he'll be my friend till the day that I die. Jared, would you come and close the service today? Isn't God good? Yes. Do you love the Lord? Aren't you glad we have a Savior? Yes. Unto us is born this day in the city of David a child, a Savior. And he came with a purpose. And for that purpose, you and I are here today. God bless you. We love you. What a powerful message we've heard this morning. What a powerful statement. What a powerful testimony. Aren't you glad for the grace and for the mercy of Jesus Christ in your life? I'm going to ask you real quick before we dismiss, will you bow your heads? Just shut your eyes with us this morning. Maybe you're here today and you recognize your need this morning. You recognize that you're in a situation, a circumstance in your life. You're at a position, you're at a place where you're unable to do it on your own, where you're unable to proceed in your own strength. You're unable to proceed in your own, uh, in your own way. And this morning you recognize that you need, you need a big Tom in your life. You need someone to come and stand in place of, of your life. And you need someone to come and to give you grace and give you mercy and give you hope and give you a purpose and give you peace and give you joy. Well, that's the purpose. That's the reason why we celebrate this Christmas season because that baby we celebrate that came and was born on Christmas morning, that baby grew up to be a man who took the beating upon his back, who took the stripes upon his body, who took the, the nail pierced in his hands and his feet and in his took all those things so that we
could be set free. And so this morning, I just want to say, if you're here today, there's just a tugging in your heart, and you know that you need to get things right with Jesus Christ today. You know you need to give your heart, give your life to him, or you know that you once have, but you know that in this moment, you're not right with him. Your life is not where it needs to be. You're not living for him. Listen, he's not asking you to die for him. He's just asking you to live for him. And so this morning, if that's you, and you'd say, Pastor, that's, that's where I'm at. And today I, I need an adjustment in my life. Today I need to make things right with Jesus. On the count of three, we just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Is there anybody anywhere? Father, we come before this morning, and God, we so thank you for your grace and for your mercy. God, we so thank you for taking our place. God, living the life that you lived, dying the death that you died, so that we can live the life that you've called us to. Father, today I ask for your hand to be upon each and every person in this place today. God, lead us and guide us and direct us, God. Move us into your life, into your kingdom. God, move us into your purpose and into your destiny. And God, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. And we ask these things this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen.